2: On the Beckdell cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Beckdell cast. La 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 la. Oh, you have it way better than me. La, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like a
3: cat. I sound sick. Hello and welcome to the Beckdell cast. La 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 la. la. Is that
2: that's scary? Pretty good. That's too cre- scary. That's pretty
3: creepy. Maybe too young. I sounded like a baby.
2: Oh well. Oh, I'll, yeah, I'll get hey, that later. Speaking of
3: babies, that's relevant. Hey, good transition. Anyway, <laughs> this is the Bechtel Cast. Also.
2: My name is Jamie Loftus.
3: My name is Caitlin Durante.
2: and this is the Bechtel Cast. La 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 la. la.
3: We're talking yeah. about La La Land. Just kidding. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready to talk about La La Land. I will never be not ready today. to talk about La La Land. Not today. The movie we are talking about, though, is Rosemary's Baby, and we'll, we'll jump into that in, in yes. a moment. Um, before that, we'll just give you a quick overview of what the show is. We talk about the portrayal and representation and treatment of women in movies. Mm-hmm. We use the Bechtel test as a jumping off point to initiate that larger conversation. And the Bechtel test is, of course, a media metric created by cartoonist Alison Bechtel yes. uh, that requires that... Two female identifying characters. Mm-hmm. They must have names. They must speak to each other in the story that they're in, and that conversation cannot be about men. Right. And then for us, it's just like a two-line exchange. Let's let's demonstrate it. Alrighty. Hey, Caitlin. Hey, Jamie. How'd you really feel about the la la laws that I was serving? I felt that um, I have some notes. Okay. 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 <laughs> I'm ready to receive. Um, I think just, like, keep practicing and okay. you'll see improvement. Okay, that makes sense. Yes, you're Thank welcome. You so much. <laughs>
2: that was a really compelling – I think that's maybe our most compelling – like, there was some tension because I'm not good at receiving criticism. There was a lot going on. Sure. <laughs> that, it was a very rich
3: conversation. It was good. It was yeah. good. We're good at this. Okay. <laughs> Rosemary's baby we should introduce our our guest before we go any further I'm Um, so thrilled that she's here. yes me too she is an actor you know her from many films including both Suspiria films as well as my favorite year and she has a new podcast Um, it's a 10 episode memoir of her childhood called Winnetka it is Jessica Harper Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for
4: having me. Of
3: course, we're so happy to have you. We're
5: excited to be
4: here,
3: and we're talking about Rosemary's Baby. I
4: love this. (laughs) (laughs) That's so fun.
3: So, tell us your your history, your relationship
4: with this movie. I first saw it, I think, when it came out, which Mm -hmm. was. 68? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> this dates me. I was a fully grown person mm-hmm. in 1968. <laughs> and I was trying to remember yesterday. When, how did I react? Mm-hmm. Right. And um, my reaction to it now, of course, having rewatched it yesterday, mm-hmm. which was so much fun. Yeah. But my reaction to it, I believe, was so different to what it was because in 68 pre-feminism you'd have a very different take on this movie so um in 68 when I first saw it I was just simply horrified sure and yesterday I was horrified with a whole lot of interesting side notes (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) which I'm sure we'll get into indeed Mm -hmm. but um it's a fabulous movie
3: it is a well-crafted Really well-crafted. Get, yeah. Yeah. So
4: well-written. The direction is incredible, even though there are some people who might not like the director anymore.
3: Well, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there could be some strong cases
4: so, to yeah, not be <laughs> yeah.
3: My history is I saw it for the first time in college as a, as a young film buff, mm-hmm. and so that was probably around... 14 years ago mm-hmm. and I think I only saw it that once before revisiting it for the podcast oh, but I remember thinking I remember really liking it because as far as horror films go I not such a huge fan of slashers but I love anything that has to do with the occult and like kind of like yeah. satanic stuff I don't know why I never revisited it but yeah I just I really enjoyed it but it was just that one time that I had seen it. Mm -hmm. what about you Jamie Uh,
2: I had uh, not seen this movie Mm -hmm. um, before it's and and it's like one of those movies that has been you know recommended to this show and to me specifically for years but I think it just I think by the time I was aware of this movie I was also aware of all the Polanski stuff and I kind of avoided it for that reason Mm -hmm. which is like I mean it's so it's so weird because going into this movie I was almost like I kind of hope I don't like it Mm -hmm. because then it will be a lot easier to have the i mean it's always easy to have an art artist discussion if you don't like the art anyways right Right. and you're like oh well it Mm -hmm. sucks and he and he sucks usually he uh sucks (laughs) and so put it all in the trash but it was like i mean this was like a challenging watch in a lot of ways because i did there's a lot about this movie to love it I, I, I had been avoiding it because I was aware of all of the allegations before mm-hmm. and so I just I don't know I mean I just try to navigate around there's a million movies you can watch anything but right. yeah I, I enjoyed it and I feel and I feel weird.
3: <laughs> I know I, feel, mm-hmm. I have such complicated feelings usually like before we even start the episode I have a fairly good idea of like what nipple rating I'm gonna give it I have no idea. Like I think it's gonna take like whatever discussion we have to. We're
2: gonna have to have unpack. Really unpack we're gonna have to today. dig
4: really deep, girls. Because I yeah,
3: just I feel very conflicted and challenged by this movie. Mm-hmm. And this is
2: yeah, and it's I mean, and Jessica, you were starting to get at it. I think that there's like so much context to this movie that's yeah. important to how you interpret it. And it's like, I can't imagine seeing this movie ten years ago. Like I, it's yeah. Well, because when I saw it so for the first time.
3: <laughs> If so anyone was talking about Roman Plansky and his horrific crimes, I wasn't aware of it. I didn't really know. I th- It was right. years later until I started hearing things about that. So,
4: What year was the oh, that was much, much later. I was just going to say the Sharon Tate the Sharon murders Tate, and all. Was he— No,
2: it's the year after. The, the oh, Sharon Tate murders are that. 69. Yeah. Oh,
4: Okay, so the big sympathy for Roman hadn't really kicked in yet when this came out, if you know what I mean. Right, Mm -hmm. right. There was a whole big poor Roman... Era, right, right. Which,
2: because, which and then it became went away. Fuck, grown. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> yeah, murders that morphed were... into something
4: entirely new much later.
2: Yeah, yeah. Tate murders were in 1969, and then like his allegations start, I think, in the late 70s. That sounds right. And then he is still technically—I don't know what the word is for what he—he's—he can't come back to this country, Mm-mm. no, without getting arrested, no. Because he admitted that yeah. he committed. Oh,
3: and we'll talk oh, about so that so more. <laughs> there's so, so much. So many. Okay, so without much further ado, I'll get through the recap uh, as quickly as oh, possible. Yeah. And feel free
2: to weigh in at any point in the recap, because this movie's crazy.
3: Yeah. It's, it's crazy, and it's long. Yeah. Um, okay, so we are introduced to a married couple, Rosemary, that's Mia Farrow's character, mm-hmm. and Guy, uh, that's John Cassavetes. John Cassavetes. Hot. hot. So hot. So hot. So
2: hot. It's oh, like, my
4: God. Uh, it's upsetting. I've, I, I know ma- it is upsetting.
2: I mainly learned <laughs> about him. Son of a bitch. I
4: know. It's- <laughs> like, how long did it take? Okay, we'll get into this. How long did it take him to sell that first baby to the devil? Like, uh, 20 seconds. he was uh, selling- it, it oh, okay. Like, so fast. Yeah. Okay, but we- <laughs> we're getting ahead of ourselves.
3: So. He, I
2: mainly knew about John Cassavetes through, like, film school, like, textbook stuff and, and all of his directorial work. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait, no one told me he was
3: Hot, like that, <laughs> unfortunately, he is hot. He's yeah. so hot. Okay, yeah. So they're looking for an apartment together to move into in New York City. Ever heard of it? Oof. they're looking at this one giant apartment. I don't know how they end up affording it because he is a struggling actor That's and what she I is was a homemaker. Too.
4: Like who can live in the Dakota? It's the Dakota. It's the where right, John which is Lennon like overlooking where like John S- Lennon Central and Park. Oh my and gosh! Stuff.
3: Yeah. yeah, so it's this like enormous apartment, yeah. iconic. And- they can English. afford it somehow, even before they get mixed
4: up
2: with it. Yeah, the, there was a the... little
4: suspension of disbelief there.
3: <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> maybe just uh, rent on haunted apartments
3: is really low. <laughs> uh, maybe. So one of the first things I notice about this apartment is that there is a closet that's blocked by a large piece of furniture, and that'll mm-hmm. become important later, believe it or
2: not. And Rosemary notices, too. Yes. She's, I, oh, she's so active in the movie. I was always... I was so ready to be like, (laughs) Polanski? She's so... Okay.
3: Yeah. So then a friend of theirs, Hutch, uh, tells them that this building that they're moving into called the Bramford... Had a bunch of weird shit happen in it. There were sisters who cooked and ate children. There was a guy who practiced <laughs> witchcraft and who claimed to have conjured up the devil there. So they're like, whatever, we'll move in anyway.
2: It happens every time you move somewhere. Right. It's like there's a, every every yeah. place has its detriment. Everybody
4: has some child eaters in it.
2: <laughs> every building.
3: <laughs> so. They move in, and then Rosemary meets one of her neighbors, Terry, Mm -hmm. and uh, one night... Poor Terry. Poor oh, Terry. Poor Terry. Oh, Terry. Yeah.
2: They have this great spoiler alert Bechdel test passing yes, exchange. Yes, they do. In the laundry room, even in if it
4: was about room. doing laundry. It was. It was. <laughs> right? Let's not forget that. No. Nope. <laughs>
2: Still domestic overtones. Yes. Um, yeah. Terry, it was. I was in the middle. I was like googling stuff in real time as I was watching, and I was like in the middle
3: of looking up Terry, and then. Goodbye. You find out what happens to Terry. Oh, I was like, oh, yeah damn, Terry, too soon. And uh, <laughs> the person that um, Rosemary mistakes her for, a uh, actress and model named, v- was it Vicky? It was some, anyway, she- that's actually who plays that character. Oh, that's funny. I forget the name. Oh. So this isn't a good story. But she's like, hey, aren't you like, He's just- oh, thank you, super producer Sophie. She's like, aren't you Victoria Vetri? And she's like, no, I'm not. But guess what? Victoria Vetri plays that part see there's so many little but she's credited like as, as a different ro- uh yeah. different name but anyway of fun fact about that <laughs>
2: actor yeah is that i was like uh, when i saw her on screen, i was like oh i recognize her from something she was a playmate model of the year under a different name oh, um wow. the year this movie came out huh which wow. like a lot of playmates would do back in the day is like use different names um but she was angela dorian same lady
3: right on mm. wild okay
2: Oh. R.I.P. Terry. So yeah, Dorian Gray
4: reference there. Is like <laughs> oh, thing in the closet maybe. with the thing. All kinds of sneaky references in this yeah. movie.
3: Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> um, and then, so after they've moved in, Rosemary and Guy hear some like strange chanting coming from next door, and then a short time later, Terry commits suicide by jumping out of a window. And she had said, "Oh, I live with this older couple, the cast of vets, which is confusing because John. Casts of is in this movie and their name is The Cast of vets. Anyway... She's like, yeah, they were a family to me. They brought me in, and then she commits suicide. So something is amiss here. And then uh, they meet this couple,
4: Roman. Well, they say and... she
2: commits suicide. We don't really know what happened. Right? We don't know. What we happens. never really find
4: out. No. Yeah. We have it's true. our suspicions, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Suicide not being one of them. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and she has this necklace with a charm on it. A stinky necklace. A stinky necklace. I love the detail that the necklace <laughs> stunk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Especially when that receptionist at the end is just like, Yeah, everyone in this office smells crazy. <laughs> like right? you're just like, Oh my god. <laughs> so then they meet Roman in mini cast of it and Wait, can I just interject sure. one thing? Mm-hmm. So
4: in this little bauble, this jewel that's hanging around her neck, inside it is a root called tannis. Tannis root. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is very important because later Rosemary holds this thing up to the mirror and she says, Tannis anyone? <laughs> Which is one of my favorite lines in the movie. It's
3: great. It's great. She, she talks to herself a lot in this movie. I know.
4: Well, it's either, her, it's either her or Minnie, and I mean, I'd pick me over Minnie. Yeah. yeah.
3: who can she
2: trust? Right. She can't trust anyone. But, I mean, Ruth Gordon. And, and
4: She's so great. Oh, so mm-hmm. great.
2: She's so
3: good. Yes. So um, they meet the neighbors, and Rosemary and Guy go over to dinner at the cast of Vets, and Guy is, like, reluctant at first, but then... They start hanging out with them more and more. And the yeah. cast of vets are getting a little clingy. Meanwhile, Guy is like, Rosemary, let's have a baby. And then she's very excited. Right, because she
2: wanted that. And yes. then was all she's about, apparently.
0: Yeah, it mm-hmm. seems to
2: be her, her one it's her her whole one thing. thing. like we don't know a lot about her out I of know. her I like to be a mother. It's mm-hmm. So interesting.
3: <laughs>
2: Why is that?
3: Maybe because it was written by.
4: Men. Yeah. yeah. In 1966, by mm-hmm. the way. Right.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so the more time they spend with the cast of vets, uh, the more weird things are happening. Like guy who is an actor and who was up for a part gets it because the other guy who was up for that part suddenly goes blind. Mm-hmm. And then Minnie brings over this dessert, which she calls chocolate mouse, uh, which is just mousse. And it makes Rosemary all woozy and she notices this like chalky undertaste and then she eats a little bit, but not all of it. But then she passes out anyway, presumably from having eaten this. And then there's this dreamlike sequence in which she is surrounded by naked people who are chanting and that she they're tying her to a bed. And her husband, Guy, is there and the cast of vets are there and they're all participating in what seems like some sort of demonic ritual. They're nude, but they're also
2: talking to each other. (laughs) It's like, I was like, is this chill or not? Like, I know it's not chill, but they were all just like standing in the nude like, hey, is she awake? And then it's
3: very casual.
4: They're like, (laughs) No. Okay.
3: Very chill. Uh, And then a demon looking guy rapes Rosemary yes and then she wakes up she's covered in scratches and then Guy is like this
2: scene is like oof. I have to watch this scene like four or five times it is we so... have to
3: we will spend a lot of time unpacking this scene I'm yeah. sure but basically he's like I had sex with you last night while you were sleeping I didn't want to miss baby night and she's like oh and then <laughs> I mean
2: worth mentioning okay.
4: no problem
3: Marital rape is legal in New York
2: till 1984. Oh, interesting.
3: Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll spend a lot of time unpacking that. Yep. Um, and then Rosemary goes to a doctor, Dr. Hill, and finds out that she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then Guy insists on telling the cast of vets right away. It's like the first thing he does. And then they That's recommend great. that she see a different obstetrician. Dr. Saperstein Mm -hmm. and then she's having a lot of pain with her pregnancy she's losing weight everyone keeps telling her that she looks like shit Uh,
4: everyone keeps telling her she looks like (laughs) yes
3: everybody
4: it's the you look like chalk (laughs) <laughs> yeah. you look like death warmed at one after the next it's
2: so horrible! it's and and it's like the one and i'm sure we'll, we'll get to this too but like the one choice that she makes without consulting anybody is her haircut mm-hmm. and everyone is so mean to everyone her everyone hates it. the haircut we, we have like, to
4: yeah that's another unpacking the yes. thing about the haircut like
2: what the one the one but it's like the one thing she does without checking in with anyone and everyone's like
3: oh yeah like,
2: even her friend yeah. Ugh.
3: yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so then, Hutch comes back, and he wants to talk to Rosemary. But he also alone. hates her haircut. He does hate her haircut, yeah. and he comments on her weight a lot. And
2: mm-hmm. we're supposed she- to like him, yeah, right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but then, when she goes to meet up with him, because he he feels that something's wrong with this situation, and when she goes to meet up with him, she discovers that he has suddenly fallen into a coma. Mm-hmm. And then her pains are getting worse, and she wants less and less to do with the Castevets, and she doesn't want to go to uh, Doctor Saperstein anymore. She stops drinking the herbal drink that Minnie has been making her. Mm-hmm. And then Guy does not react well to this; he is furious. And then at a party that she in- insists on throwing and insists on not inviting the Castevets to, or the Sapersteins, or like anyone who's any involved those... in the
2: shadiness. Mm-hmm.
3: Her friends, like, give her a regular drink, and then the pain goes away. It's unclear exactly what causes the pain to go away. You know, maybe it's witchcraft. We're not Mm -hmm. sure. We don't know. But it goes away. Because she's threatening, like, I'm never going to go to Saperstein again, and
4: then suddenly the pain vanishes.
2: And we get a brief scene with her and her friends, which I was waiting for
4: the whole time. Of, like, where are her friends? Right. She didn't seem to have any besties anywhere. Right. And then and all of a sudden, there they are at the party.
2: There they are. I'm like, well, did we learn what their names were? But either way, there's a good scene. It's like they are immediately responsive to her pain. They're immediately like, no, this doesn't sound like th- what should be happening. They make sure Guy stays out of the room. <laughs> and that, in interaction empowers rosemary a little bit to stand up to guy who immediately is like you're never gonna see your friends again sorry yeah. you know like and calls them dumb oh, bitches and yeah
3: yeah
4: unbelievable
3: feminist icon guy i know okay. also, <laughs> his name is literally guy, guy. that's right yeah, that's what i love <laughs> and then we cut immediately to a few months later and now she is pregnant as hell she's thriving <laughs> And, uh, and you know, moo-moo. yeah, she's—they're making preparations for the baby. They're making this nursery and everything. And then her friend Hutch dies, and his friend gives Rosemary a book that Hutch wanted her to have called "All of Them Witches." <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then Rosemary's told that the name is an anagram, and she figures out that it's not the name of the book, uh, but it's the name of someone in the book, Stephen Marcato. And at anagrams to Roman
4: Castavet.
3: No. Ah.
2: Why are criminals got to keep dun. using that? <laughs> criminals should just stop doing anagrams. Just make up something new. It's so new.
4: interesting, too, because as you pointed out, his last name is very close to Casavetes, Yes. And that's obviously a thing they thought and laughed about before they shot the movie, right? <laughs> right? And then, you know, which came first, the name or the anagram? So they go, okay, the title is going to be this, so let's see, how can we... And there's so many name games in this thing. The mm. Roman th- I mean... the. The bad guy next door is named Roman, of course, yeah, and which can play into this whole thing about what happened later in the seventies and how he, the, the Devil Man, and so mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as you said, her husband's name is Guy. It's totally a generic word for dude right mm-hmm. and she's rosemary like the oh, virgin, virgin mary. mary oh my god it goes on and on there's so much rosemary
3: is also an herb there's a lot of herbs there's there's herbs oh, herb yeah. Dang, yeah. rosemary a stinky yeah. herb yeah <laughs> also this is a great time to point out that my name caitlin durante anagrams to oh, a huh. number of things uh-huh. you've got latin dancer uti Love that <laughs> one you've got um cat turd in line you've got the best ones
4: there's there's a bunch well I'm gonna go do anagram myself it's later. fun it's really fun yeah.
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway so in the book she learns that uh, Roman's father was a witch who performs rituals and uses like baby's blood because it's the most powerful blood to use Sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Rosemary tells Guy about all of this, and then she's like, "I never want to see the castavets again. My baby's in danger. We're gonna move out." Uh, and then she goes to Doctor Saperstein and tells him about all of this,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
3: and he tells her that Roman is ill, and that he doesn't have long to live. And she's like, "Okay, well maybe this will solve my problems uh, if they he he just dies and is out of the picture." So Guy and Rosemary see the cast of vets off because they're going to be traveling to all these different places because he's a world traveler. Yeah. And then Guy throws out the book that Hutch gave Rosemary. Um, oh. So she goes and gets more books about witchcraft yeah. and sort of confirms uh, suspicion that she had that the coven was responsible for the other actor being blinded. She
2: basically hacks pre-computers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is going to
3: a bookstore, just doing some <laughs> right. research. Major hacking <laughs> sequence. Definitely. So she realizes things are really amuck here, and she packs up her things, and she goes to see Dr. Stapperstein again, but then she realizes that he's on, in on it, too, because of the stinky herb. Stinky necklace.
4: He's got the tannis, too. Tannis yep. anyone. Mm-hmm. God.
2: <laughs> feminist icon the receptionist Mm -hmm. who's just like you smell bad just like my boss (laughs) who doesn't
4: say that when you walk in i
3: was like well maybe a little
4: unprofessional but
3: helpful (laughs) to the plot Mm -hmm. (laughs) so she runs out and she goes back to dr hill and tells him everything like she thinks the guy has promised the coven her baby in exchange for his success as an actor and then it seems like dr hill is going to help but instead he calls guy and dr saperstein and then they come and get her she's
2: hysterical right yeah
3: they take her back home and then she tries to get away but it doesn't work she goes into labor and then saperstein gives her sedative and she passes out Mm -hmm. she wakes up the baby's been born she's like where's my baby they're like the baby died sorry and she knows that they're lying but she can hear a baby crying right. in the other room. I was like, "Do you guys not have a second location to
2: go to?" <laughs> right. Yeah.
3: Not a foolproof plan. Yeah. And then guys, all like, "You have the prepartum crazies." God. <laughs> so yeah, she hears the baby crying, and then she remembers that closet that the big piece of furniture was in front of. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Let the
2: me
4: devil's closet." <laughs> there you
2: go.
3: She goes into it, and she realizes that there is a door behind this like i guess partition kind of thing and she goes into this creepy apartment and the coven is there including guy and the cast of vets and a, a satanic bassinet yeah it's
4: <laughs>
2: like <black. laughs> it's all
3: black <laughs>
4: that i was, that, must be,
2: that must have been fun for the art director <laughs> yeah totally
4: <laughs> richard silbert by the way mm. incredible
3: Ooh. and then there's a baby in the cradle we don't thing. see it. She looks into it and we see her horrified reaction and she's like, what have you done to its eyes? And then Roman, who is not dead, by the way, Mm -hmm. and who is not traveling, and he's like, he has his father's eyes. Satan is the father, not guy. Satan chose you because you're the cutest woman in New York.
2: (laughs) 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 That's what everyone says. People should say that on Tinder (laughs) Satan chose you. You're the most (laughs) charming girl in Los Angeles. (laughs) And apparently
4: the most clueless, too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And then Guy's like, Guy at the end is... Very. I mean, I guess if we're going like a reverse nativity deal, yeah. he he, like Joseph, is pretty thrilled to be cucked by a higher power. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, it's not my baby.
4: Yeah, he just didn't care nearly <laughs> didn't, enough about that. Not hardly at all. No. Yeah. I was like, just take a take sure, a class. We can guy. make more. We can make more babies. <laughs> yeah. We we'll move to Beverly Hills. They have babies there. We'll make- <laughs>
3: Oh, yeah. And then they're chanting Hail Satan. And then Roman is like, hey, Rosemary, why don't you be a mother to this baby? At first, she's like, ew, no. But then she's like, okay. (laughs) And that is the end of the movie. Yes. Uh, Let's take a quick break and then we'll come right back to discuss.
0: 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
1: With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with Cheap Caribbean Vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Jamaica and do your deal at cheapcaribbean.com. That's
5: CheapCaribbean.com. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic Happy International Women's Day. And we are back. Woo. I mean, where to begin? I don't where? know With.
2: <laughs> there's, there's so
4: we've we've all three of us have established that we enjoy the movie mm-hmm. and admire the craft. Yes. yes. Can it we just just is... say one thing? Mm-hmm. The music. Christoph Komeda, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that totally wrong. Mm-hmm. The music, the score is incredible. Oh yeah. Yes. And... Just
2: I guess it, going into the the behind the scenes lore surrounding this movie he died a pretty brutal death less than a year after this movie came out. Really? Yeah, the composer, the composer. Oh. Yeah. There's a dun, lot dun, dun, of like dun, dun, dun. strange stuff. What's well, yeah. one of those? One of those? Hmm. I
3: don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, so this is, you know, a highly regarded prestige horror psychological thriller yes. like in, in 2014 it was selected for preservation in the national film registry by the library of congress it's still shown in theaters like they this tried is... to reboot it with zoe saldana didn't work oh. out
2: oh. Uh, in 2014 also huh. should we just tackle the art versus artist right at the top and then we can talk about the characters because i feel like if we don't talk about it now it will just haunt the rest of the conversation <laughs> sure.
3: yes In terms of Roman Polanski, the director of this film and the writer of the film, yes, he wrote and directed it, uh, and it was adapted from a novel written by Ira Levin, Levin, who we'll get to. Mm -hmm. I don't, (laughs) I don't know anything about him, so I'm interested to (laughs) learn about that. So Roman Polanski, he. Had a troubled past. You know, he was a Holocaust survivor. His parents were taken in raids during the Holocaust. A year Um, after this movie comes out,
2: the Manson family brutally murders his wife, Sharon Tate, and some of his friends. And,
3: yes, definitely went through some shit, to say the least. But it is no excuse for what he did, which is he statutory raped a lot of underage girls. Mm -hmm. And he admitted it. Uh, he least. was
2: convicted in uh, 1978, I believe, of statutory rape. Yeah,
3: yeah, 77, 78. He was arrested and charged with drugging and raping a 13-year-old girl, uh, and then a short time later, he fled to Paris after learning that the judge planned to imprison him rather than just give him some other lesser punishment. Right. But um, so he's been a fugitive for f- about 40 years. Several decades. Yeah. And
2: in that time, he has won another Oscar. Is that? <laughs> Correct. Oh. Maybe. I believe I don't know about he won that. for the
3: pianist in oh, two thousand and two. Yeah. Um, so that's fun. Um also since that time, several other women have come forward saying that he raped them while they were underage. So
4: Good Lord. Uh, he's also been celebrated in the recent years in Europe as well. He, I mean yes. he doesn't stop getting no, awards. He and...
2: No, he doesn't stop working. I mean no. it seems like he's very infrequently stopped working at all um he yeah he did win an academy award in 2002 um for the pianist like he's continued to work he just can't come back to the united states and it wasn't until last year that like post me too that he was finally removed from the academy um but that's not even to say that that's a permanent thing it's like time out yeah yeah, as, as so many people who perpetrate stuff like this get mm-hmm. is just a brief time out. I mean that's the, the the fact that the worst thing that has happened as a result of all of this is that he couldn't be in the academy forty years after being convicted and confessing a crime like that is just oh, absurd. Right. La 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 <laughs>
3: la 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 no, la. Oh, right. It's fine. Yeah, his punishment is basically that he still gets to keep working and living in Europe. And he lives Hoo-hoo. in like Paris. It's yeah. it just, it's,
2: yeah, it's like one of the more upsetting examples in an industry that is, you know, littered with them.
3: Can I also read a quote of his that I found? Oh, sure. Oh, I wonder if it's the same. Yeah. He is speaking to Clive James. This is in 1984. He says, Women these days wear a virtual armor tights panties blue jeans belt as though they were afraid of constant aggression there must be something psychological at the bottom of it
2: oh i've got another quote from him from when he's 79 (sighs) he said the pill has changed greatly the women of our times it masculinizes her it chases away the romance from our lives and then he says um trying to level genders is quote idiotic it's crazy that he made this movie right. if that is how he feels. No, it is crazy. Yeah, this is code of ethics
3: because I mean I th- think there are a few different reads of this movie, but largely this is a story about a woman who's been emotionally, psychologically, and sexually abused, and who is trying to like regain agency over her body and her pregnancy and her life. Right. She doesn't do it successfully, but...
4: (laughs) Also, again, having, as I said, being the person in the room here (laughs) who was a grown-up in 66, Mm -hmm. she was, and it really was, I'm not pre-feminist entirely, obviously, feminists lived long before that, but but before it became, you know, before, say, Ms. Magazine was published, Mm -hmm. which was my Uh aha moment oh really (laughs) oh yeah i remember the day i read the first issue of ms magazine i'm sitting in the steps outside my apartment i'm reading it and i got so angry i went into a fury and and i've never stopped the fury (laughs) good (laughs) anyway it was but the 66 it was still like you as i said i saw the movie and that woman looked like People I actually kind of knew. Like she had no ambition, no career, no employment, no interest in any such thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And by the way, as we pointed out, no, no like besties. I mean she no, didn't even yeah. – she had nothing except this craving to have a baby. Right. Which yeah. sets you up for her willingness to accept this poor little devil baby. But right, it's, right. So it works for the story. But it's just, you know, again, looking at it now versus looking in 66, you go, oh, that reminds me of my friend. Heather or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Now you look at it and you go, I don't know anybody like this. This <laughs> right. is insane. And, you know, he takes the book away from her and he's he's just so dominating. And she's yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir to her husband.
3: There's yeah. that scene where he like wakes her up and he's like, it's nine o'clock. He doesn't say make me breakfast, but that's mm-hmm. what's yeah. implied. He doesn't have to and say she, it. Yeah, she's yeah. like, go eat out. And he's like, like, hell, I will. So, like, yeah, she is just like this very traditional like homemaker housewife type and women who want to be mothers women who are homemakers there is absolutely nothing wrong with that if that is the life they choose sure the fact that she is given no other characteristics or interests or
2: it's just desires it's treated as a given yeah like that's yeah and she
4: she doesn't even have any hobbies so in a way she's kind of i mean really kind of a one-dimensional right you know you'd think there would be some something
3: Everything and we see her do is just very domestic. I mean, she's preparing the nursery, she's like redecorating the house and and stuff like that. And again, those things, those activities are all fine to do, but the fact that we don't see her
2: and it's frustrating because I think that like the story at so many times indicates that she is very smart and very capable because she you know, sees through this huge ruse and she, like, I listed out all the different times that she clocks things and notices things that other people don't and then follows up on it later and tries to get more information. It seems like with this character that the big hurdle for her is that she wants to figure out what's going on, but she wants to do it in a way that's polite and doesn't hurt anyone's feelings. Right. And so uh, the time I was just like Rosemary now, like where <laughs> after she figures out right away that um, when she's given the chocolate mousse mm-hmm. by Minnie, and she's like, "This tastes wrong. Like yeah. something is. You're they're they're not poisoning me." correctly (laughs) and you know guy starts to gaslight her immediately he's like it's always something like you gotta just eat it whatever and she goes back the next morning after she is raped and knows that but she goes back to minnie and brings back the dishes and is like thank you i really liked it it was really good and it's like she's part of what really like broke my heart about her character is that she always knows that something is wrong and she's always aware of her own pain but is allowing herself to be talked out of it because she doesn't want to hurt other
3: people or Mm -hmm. because she's, like, doubting her own... Mm -hmm. Because women are conditioned to be accommodating and polite and and all that. And, I mean, we can't ignore the cultural and historical time that this comes out in, this movie, that it's set in. I mean, it's set in 65 into 66. And, Mm -hmm. you know, second wave feminism was kind of... gearing up starting yeah yeah (laughs) yeah as as you said Jessica like she's not unlike a lot of women of this time Mm -hmm. so we me watching it now I find myself very frustrated by her just constant accommodation of, of people and even when she senses that people are doing wrong by her She's still like, well, I don't want to offend anybody.
2: Constantly. Everybody's (laughs)
4: doing things wrong. At at the minimum, annoying her and at the maximum, raping her. Right, (laughs) Right.
2: yeah. But then we also see, I don't know, there, there are so many parts of this movie that even when I was frustrated with Rosemary, I felt like in most cases the story explains to you why this is her reaction because the times that she does say something, her situation gets worse almost right away. Where, like, when she does assert herself and she's like i'm throwing this party guess what i have friends mm-hmm. they're coming over scary people aren't invited um <laughs> and like ha- you know makes that happen and then when she speaks up for herself right after the consequences she's cut off from access to her friends yes and it's like it i don't know they're like seeing her try to accomplish something and then be immediately set two steps backwards mm-hmm. by like the oppositional forces like I don't, it worked for me story-wise, and it made me really sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: and then another example of that is when she's saying that she's no longer gonna see Doctor Saperstein anymore. Mm-hmm. The pain, like this pain that she's been having for months now, is not going away. Like something is wrong, and she's saying, "I'm not gonna drink the herbal drink, I'm that... drink the McFlurry. <laughs> yeah, it's <thinking> like, like, <laughs> what is, like a, a vanilla
4: milkshake. I kind of like." I was like, damn, Stop they're really drinking Donald's that shit. Yeah. And then the husband is so mean about so it. So not getting mean. a second
3: opinion. I mean, what? It's so she, well, we see her stand up for herself different times. And then she's shot down. And then in the next scene, we see her drinking the drink again. So it, it kind of makes, for reasons that I don't think the narrative quite like I don't know succeeds she the in, theme, yeah. like changing her mind. And it, it, it might have to do with all of this emotional and psychological abuse that she is undergoing by everyone around her. I remember when I first learned about just the concept of gaslighting and like first hearing that term and learning what it was, I remember thinking to myself, oh, like what Rosemary's husband does to her in that movie. Like I I made that connection because I was like, oh, that is exactly what gaslighting is. That was like kind of my frame of reference for that, but the, like like we already kind of touched on, there's so many times where he is, just like textbook abusive behavior in terms of, you know, gaslighting her. Like, no, that chocolate mouse doesn't have a chalky undertaste. Just eat it. And
2: right, it's, it's like, so
4: much. But it's also you see that so much in modern movies. I mean, the movie doesn't look like a dated movie, unfortunately. Really, you know, you see. I think it was the was it The Shape of Water. With Octavia Spencer, uh-huh. just that just popped in my mind about her abusive relationship oh, she, yeah. for example, you do see these all the time, mm-hmm. yeah. unfortunately, still, the submissive woman and the abusive husband
2: the chocolate the chocolate mouse scene while, <laughs> while we're on it yeah that that was a scene that felt like pretty true to the marital rape scene just blew my mind on a, a number of levels, mm. but, yeah. the, but the moose scene it was like a little bit different of. You can sort of see the, like, mechanics of what he's doing, but I also sort of understood why it's like, oh, I don't want to have this conflict with this person I have to be with no matter what, because that's how she viewed her life, yeah. and, like, what is, what are my options? What is it easier to do I don't know I mean I've been in relationships like
4: that where where you're picking your battles kind of
2: exactly where you're like finally the fucking moose like and (laughs) and that's sort of what she ends up saying because he finds I think in the space of that scene three different ways to blame it on her right where he's like nothing's good enough for you Mm -hmm. why are you being mean she worked on that all day you're being rude and like you know like and she pushes back a couple of times it's not like immediately she folds she's like it's gross it tastes weird yeah i think that ruth gordon is weird fair (laughs) (laughs) um but then eventually when he starts to like raise his voice she is like fine i'll fucking eat it which is like stuff i i know that i have done it's i recognize that in my parents marriage like that scene hit for me especially because it felt normal in a, mm. in a weird
4: way. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, in, in the movie, of course, he has an agenda behind this, which right. is he wants to provide the, the world with this devil baby. And because <laughs> it helps his career, he'll become a movie star tomorrow. Mm. And so he's invested in her eating the damn moose. Mm-hmm. But in real life, these things happen all the time. And the man has no other agenda except to keep his wife submissive of course mm-hmm. yeah so it's just an act of random violence or, or abuse and right. so that's yeah. why it seemed it the scene seems normal in the movie it's as i say it's a whole other story but um, yeah but nonetheless it, it's a sad reflection of all kinds of things that happen yeah. like that all the time
2: and it's like I, as a viewer it's almost like Easier and like more easy to understand that someone would do that to you because they're working for the devil. Exactly. Other than that, is just what they think is right. okay to treat
4: someone. In fact, you almost—I mean—as a movie watcher, you go, "Oh, well, I see he's doing that because he wants." <laughs> so you don't. It's not that you're <laughs> At least he's motivated, him, exactly, <laughs> but you, you say, "I see he's got a motivation rather than just random right. uh, misogyny," you know. Or something.
3: Well, right. I, yeah. I well, I I couldn't cool. help but think that like. In the scene where they first go to dinner at the Castavets, uh, Roman is like complimenting Guy some, oh, you did all oh, this great hand gesture and you, your work in this play was so And it's just like, yeah. oh, he got complimented one time yeah. and now he's going to sell his baby to the <laughs> devil? <laughs> he <laughs>
4: literally goes, she goes into the kitchen with Minnie for a minute. Mm-hmm. And literally by the time they come back, two minutes later, this decision has yeah, been made. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Call my agent. <laughs> you lazy well, bastard!
2: <laughs> you lazy bastard! Just my take people a will class. get to your
4: people. We'll uh, take care gosh, of them. Gosh, I mean, I know. It's just like, and also makes you kind of want. Like, this is an indication that this guy had a serious character flaw, to say the least. Yeah. Wouldn't she have picked up on this at some point in their marriage? I like,
3: kept thinking it takes her so long. Yeah. To figure and again i mean but
2: their relationship seems to change pretty abruptly in the movie too like they're in the first couple scenes they seem to be generally getting along she's like sure like she even seems to it's it almost seems like
3: She's like, let's make love even on the, the fl- floor. Yeah. yeah,
2: like she, she's like, I want to fuck. He's like, okay. Like it's, <laughs> it started to seem like, oh, maybe this is a. I did not know anything about this movie. I was like, they're kind of a nice couple,
3: <laughs> right? Well, it seems that way at first, but then and, he turns and on then, her like,
2: yeah.
4: But yeah. see, like, why, why did it take this long for them, for her to figure her out to, what especially it with is. the
3: doctor Saperstein thing? It takes her so long to realize that he's on it because. He's also doing, like, classic, like, abusive things, isolating her from her friends. Like, he's like, don't oh talk God. to your friends about don't, their pregnancy. Don't he, read books. He literally...
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't read books. Don't talk to your friends. You're
3: yeah. like, no? Yeah, like, <laughs> you're, a, you're a doctor. What are you saying?
2: <laughs> and she... Well, that that's a good transition into, like, the, the whole... Like, one of the big themes of this movie. And it's, like, it's weirdly now looking into... Knowing w- what we know about how Roman Polanski views women. And then if you look into Ira Levin's work where he was not the monster that Roman Polanski is, but his work sort of had a general theme that he'd... He also wrote The Stepford Wives, which mm-hmm. was his other, like, major mm-hmm. work of... He was really good at writing villains that were normal men, and that was what makes the story scary, is that it's, like, mm-hmm. the devil you know, basically. Mm-hmm. But, you know, also makes a lot of women in his narratives pretty submissive and not, I wouldn't say he is a feminist, but he wrote some interesting stories about women. Sure. So it's weird. I I guess all that to say, I don't know how much of these themes are done intentionally and how, like Ira Levin said about this book that it's about atheism and that people who see feminism in it are just seeing what they want to see. He's like, he's like, it's about how, how people go too hard with Christianity, and then they're like... But don't a- you think
4: any director makes a movie without necessarily realizing what things people are going to see in it? Because, sure. I mean, I can't imagine that, you know, everybody has notions about a movie they've seen that the director knew knew they would. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I don't think that the way art works, I think, you know, right. that stuff inadvertently affects people. Totally. They they find things that, well, really? That's what you saw? Okay.
2: (laughs) And now that seems to be like some of the main takeaways that people have from this movie watching it now is Mm -hmm. like one of the bigger themes of just like ignoring and minimalizing um, women's physical pain which happens throughout this entire movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it feeds into the gaslighting thing as well. But there is that like moment where Mia Farrow is standing outside in New York and she's like, pain be gone. I will have no more of thee. (laughs) I was like, oh, she is. She's gone. She's gone
4: Shakespearean on (laughs) us. I know. It's like that was an
2: aside. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Between Dr. Saperstein and, and Guy, they're constantly like she is saying, I'm in pain. This hurts. Something's not right. And then people who obviously couldn't possibly understand what a pregnancy feels like are saying, no, it'll go away in a day or so. You know, ad nauseum, don't read books, don't talk to your friends. (laughs) And that is like such a proven, I mean, exaggerated version of like how women are treated by doctors there's like been studies i have a yeah. study here uh Ooh. from a book called doing harm the truth about how bad medicine and lazy science leave women dismissed misdiagnosed and sick um it's a researcher named maya dusenberry says that, quote, the tendency to not believe women's reports of their symptoms is definitely connected to these larger, broader cultural stereotypes about women as emotional and irrational and hysterical in the colloquial sense of the word. Women are stereotyped as more ready to seek care. So basically, like women are more likely to point out their own pain and therefore, it is more likely to be dismissed <laughs> by Makes perfect sense. a male-dominated profession, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure was even more so in in 1960s. In the 60s, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I
4: mean, again, you know, having seen it back then, I don't remember having any. Thoughts about any of these things when I saw it. I, I mean, maybe a slight annoyance at how dominated she was because I was kind of a rebel at that time. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it was the '60s, after sure. all, <laughs> right? But yeah, just totally different now. Perspective yeah. now because of all this stuff, you know, and the eight million studies that have been done since <laughs> then, and all the advances of feminism and everything else, yeah, and all yeah. the and all this Me Too.
3: Yeah, I mean, an example of that that we see in the movie is the scene where she goes to Dr. Hill after she's discovered that, like, Dr. Saperstein is in on this coven That's thing. another
2: heart. That, that is, like, a heartbreaking on par for me with the you weren't raped by the devil, you were maritally raped, okay, scene, mm. and the gaslighting scene with the chocolate mousse because it's just like there are, like, shades of real life in that. that... Yeah, it felt very authentic. <sighs> Yeah, it's and it's and it sucks. The whoever I I don't know. Let me find the name of the actor who played Doctor Hill. But I thought it was very well, Charles Grodin. Oh yeah, my my man Grodes. <laughs> uh I, I I thought he gave a great performance because you know in that scene Mia Farrow is laying out all this research she's done it does sound a little bit out there sure. i would be worried about her if if someone just came in cold and was like i'm pregnant with the devil everything is fucked up but you can tell she means it so much and it's, something is wrong and she needs someone to believe her mm-hmm. which she tells him she's like no one is listening to me yeah and he says what any woman who desperately needs to be believed is, he says, okay, let's do something about this. Like, that's like, and she's got she's, she's so relieved. The relief, yeah, it's like palpable. You can like feel it. <laughs> and, and then he leaves and uh, it, it sucks. Like this just, so many versions of this happen all the time mm-hmm. of like, you want to keep someone calm and then you call their abusers yeah to come and pick them up like that happens constantly right and it's just so devastating. but there did you i i maybe i was like reading too much into it but i really liked the shot where dr saperstein and guy enter the room mm-hmm. and dr hill is in the back of that shot yeah and you can almost see that he knows he's doing the wrong thing or he like oh. there's this like look of dare i say doubt <gasps> 2008 um <laughs> There's like a look, he has a, I don't know if Charles Grodin's got a weird resting face, but I was like, (laughs) I felt, I was like, this motherfucker knows he did the wrong thing. But, and this I think is again, something that's like real life. Sometimes the, the way that men interact with each other, they would rather sell out a woman than seem weird to other men. Totally. Because if Dr. Hill is the one person who is like, I do believe that all this freaky devil shit is happening and aligns himself with her, I think that he is afraid of doing that and would rather sell her down the river and literally, you know, force her to birth the devil than be, than go out of his comfort zone socially.
3: Right. And for a split second, I was like, oh, is the implication that he's also in on the coven thing? But I don't think that's it at all. I think it's just, I know, I think it's just that, like, he sees this woman even as the medical doctor that he is, he sees a woman who appears to be hysterical and who he perceives to be, like, oh, well, she's pregnant, so, and, like, pregnant women be hormonal that she is, like, out of her mind and needs to be put back in the care of the men who are actually abusing her because men can be trusted and women can't be trusted with their feelings basically so yeah that was I mean it was a very effective horror moment in the movie when when Saperstein and Guy come back into the room right but it hurt my heart to be like like Dr. Hill I thought you were a good guy like (laughs) right I mean and it's like he he
2: oh it's so devastating to the point where like it almost took me a second to get back into the action after that because that is such a gut punch and then she immediately has to like literally go on the
3: run Mm -hmm. to get away and it doesn't work right and it makes me so sad oh gosh we got to take another quick break so let's uh process our feelings a little bit bit and then we'll come right back oh (laughs) jeez
0: 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
1: With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with Cheap Caribbean Vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at cheapcaribbean.com. That's
5: CheapCaribbean.com. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic Happy International Women's Day.
3: And we're back. Yeah.
5: Can
4: I just say also, Anthea Silbert, the wife of Richard Silbert, the designer, she did the clothes. Mm. And can we talk about her clothes for a minute? The little, I mean, sure. they were all literally dresses like you would see on a three year old. A
3: little small child. <laughs> yeah. All those of yeah. the
4: lace collars and then the little jumpers. Nothing was fitted. Her body was completely, you know, like those little lampshade dresses. But literally, think about it, they were children's clothes. Mm-hmm. It's just so.
3: Even when she's pregnant, she looks like a little girl. A little girl. <laughs> it's very strange. Yeah,
2: the, I mean, the art direction and the costuming in this movie is also fabulous. Mm-hmm. cool. And I mean, the movie looks incredible.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's like an attempt to infantilize her and make her sure. seem virginal. Yeah. So almost sure. like equating
4: mm-hmm. her to the Virgin Mary. Yeah. But
3: right. also
4: the little, you know, the again, it just, it just you can't help but have those echoes in right. Roman. The and parallel. Little, yeah. Yeah, <sighs> absolutely.
3: The haircut that Rosemary gets makes her be the baldest woman in charge, except she's True. not really in charge of anything, including her own life.
2: <laughs> it's aspirational. I yes. think spiritually it makes sense. She gets the haircut. She's like, I'm in charge now. And everyone's like, no,
3: we hate it. You yeah. Look
2: bad. And it
3: affects her negatively. She
2: wasn't ready for the haircut.
3: That haircut should have aligned with her becoming more in charge of her life.
2: I mean, a different version. Yeah. It's just. It's so it's so frustrating to watch every like everything she tries in good faith mm-hmm. that in a movie that were kinder to its protagonist would result in something. The last thing I wanted to say about the just like the minimizing pain is, um, of course, the only people she talks to who believe her are other women. Yes, who are then immediately removed from her life. Yeah, I think she tries to call one right before she is yeah. forced into going into labor. Right, but. They take her seriously immediately. They believe her. They're like, "Well, oh, let's let's get this fixed." And then they are also
4: uh, ostracized and removed from her life. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we never see them again. And can I just say also that scene in the phone booth is incredible. When she's she's trying desperately, she's trying to reach her friend A and the doctor mm-hmm. B. Yeah. And she's in a phone booth, and it's ninety-five degrees, yes. and people are coming and going. And it's pregnant. just like, and the the camera holds on. I, I lost track of how long it was. The camera held one position, yeah, and it went on for like eight minutes. Yeah, or there's something. no cuts or no anything, cuts, right? Yeah. and she was great in the Mia scene. Mia Farrow was incredible, and she yeah. was sweating, and de- and it was literally like her life mm-hmm. in that phone booth. She's trapped in this small space. Nobody's Maybe. responding to her on the phone or mm-hmm. otherwise. And and then at the very end of the scene, this man appears outside the phone looming. booth with his back to her, yeah. looming. So there's always this. It was like a living hell, literally, mm-hmm. her brain in that. It was, it was an incredible scene.
3: It's a very effective She's, horror movie.
4: Yeah, it really is.
3: <laughs> and Mia
2: Farrow, like, I, her performance is, like, insanely good. Yeah, it's it really so is. Yeah.
3: Um, we got to talk okay. about the rape scene? We do. <clears throat> we do have to talk about the rape scene.
2: <gasps> um Uh, so (laughs) there's okay so i mean i think that maybe maybe the end to talk about that scene is to talk about the scene that comes immediately after yeah because the way it is stylized is i mean it's it sucks that we see rape in movies so frequently Mm -hmm. i don't think that it's especially like worth discussing Um, There is, I mean, there's a bunch of nude Satanists there. She gets raped by
3: Satan. Mm -hmm. She does call out at one point, this isn't a dream. This is really happening. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we cut to the next next morning. Yeah. I think the next day is,
2: I found that far more disturbing. Yeah. Even though, I mean, obviously the, the previous scene is very disturbing, but it's disturbing in a way that's kind of unfamiliar. Because
4: it's there's a room full of nude Satanists. Right. There. Yeah, right. Also in that scene, <laughs> there's so much fantasy that you can kind of you can sort of m- float through it. it. Yeah.
3: And and the just the horror and unease we feel during that scene is like that's the intention of that scene. But then the next scene, Jamie, as you said, is disturbing for a different reason. It is because. So I have the the dialogue it, exchange. Oh, here. oh, I have it written out. Okay. Who
2: who do you want to be? <laughs>
3: um, I don't want to be guy, but <laughs> I don't want you to be guy. Um.
2: Nobody <laughs> wants to be guy. I'll be guy. So we. So the next morning, um, she wakes up next to guy. She's kind of disoriented. She's remembering what's happened t- to her in real time, mm-hmm. and she realizes that she has these like pretty severe scratches on her body.
3: Yes. So. So guy says, so kind of gesturing to his fingernails. He's, he's like, like, "Don't yell!
2: I already filed them down. I didn't want to miss baby night." And then First.
3: She's, uh, yeah. Uh, and then Rosemary says, "You." while i was out and then, and
2: then he's in the other room and he says and it was kind of fun in a necrophile sort of way mm-hmm. and just like <sighs> any any sympathy and in the previous scene um where you see rosemary being in and out and in and out and then it cuts to the devil raping her he's not acting that way he's saying we'll have sex another day it's okay right, like tomorrow i want you to go to sleep and and so that I mean I didn't know what happened immediately after I was like oh that's some you know but then mm-hmm. the next morning it's a total 180 he was yes. like yeah I yeah of course I maritally raped you it's still legal
3: in this in most states when right. this movie comes out mm-hmm. and then Rosemary says I dreamed someone was raping me I don't know someone inhuman and then he says thanks a lot like he's already over it right uh, and, and he's like, and she's matter? calling him <laughs> yeah
2: she says, nothing. And then he tries to touch her. She pulls away. And he's
3: like, I didn't want to miss the night. And she says, we could have done it this morning or tonight. Last night wasn't the only split second. And then he wraps the scene up by
2: saying, I was a little bit loaded myself, you know. So he he admits that he maritally raped his wife even though he said in the previous scene go to bed it's fine Mm -hmm. and then where the story gets really complicated is that he didn't maritally rape his wife he brought her to the devil so that she could get raped by the devil (laughs) but the fact that all the fantasy shit aside the fact that this scene plays out the way it does and it's realistic it's just
3: insane to watch where he's like yeah duh of course I did yeah. that it was fun and then I was she drunk. also acts like it's kind of no big deal she's yeah. she's visibly upset yeah. by it but she just kind of has to accept it because yeah as you said like marital rape wasn't even considered rape it was like oh you're married to a man he can have sex with you whenever, whenever he wants including while you are sleeping and not able to give consent yeah
4: yeah she re- that seemed to go right by her actually I thought that was kind of alarming mm. To say yeah. the least.
2: And <clears throat> to see her, like, she pulls away a little bit, and but still is, oh, it's just a very... But
4: that was I mean, very much funny. with the culture, too, as you say. Like, yeah. men, you know, whenever you want it, you just take it.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, would anybody have thought that the devil raping this childlike, virginal young woman yeah. would sort of have this creepy mirror effect as to you know roman polanski's own right. uh, activities i mean <laughs> it's... it just has a whole other kind of, whole other level of creepy yeah absolutely well.
2: yeah no, god this and i'm like i
3: understand after watching it i'm like i understand why i avoided it for so long. yeah no and then i, I mean oh, i'm sad. not a mother so i can't speak to mothering instincts but I'm just curious if there's anyone out there whose mothering instincts are so strong that when you learn that your baby is the devil do you still like yep I want to be the mother to this devil baby is that
4: well, I can a thing. I I I have been a mother. I mean, I am a mother. I had two, still am. Did you quit? <laughs> I got fired. By my my daughters fired me when they turned twenty. Um, and I have to say, it's it isn't overpowering. Is love. it okay? It really is. Neither of my daughters are a devil. Okay, good. Although sometimes I wonder. Uh, <laughs> But so I can't really speak to that exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not
3: a real thing. But,
4: (laughs) you know, and I can, I sort of bought it because I, I know what that's, that feeling is like when your baby first shows up, it's the most incredible thing, Mm -hmm. unless you're a person who doesn't like babies. But, and also because we've been set up through the movie where she has no other interests or no other, nothing else she's passionate about except that. Right. Right. So she's. All her juice is going towards being maternal, mm-hmm. so you can sort of see. Well, he's mine, and maybe I better. She's rocking the cradle too hard. She says to the yeah. woman, "Don't rock that cradle so hard." And you can sort of. I don't know.
2: I thought it was an interesting ending where it doesn't. It would be. Su- it would be super lame if the movie outright said, "And now she's going to be a mother to the <laughs> devil baby," but I, the, the fact that she it like does line up with her character that she would consider it. Yeah. And then also, I, I don't know, I was mm-hmm. like in a hotel room in Indianapolis just like staring at the ceiling like, what would I have done? <laughs> but if you think about like, no one asks to be born, right? Right. And th- this baby is in a predicament. It seems like, you know, this baby could really use some good influence. <sighs> yeah. On in his life. Hand,
4: I mean, there is that great maternal rush, right? When they're born. And so she's good doing this towards her infant. The thing that across my mind was like, but what happens when he's a teenager? <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> he's he going to starts- lash out. And he starts, like, starting wars and right. whatever, all that shit the devil does. <laughs> then what? Is she going to think, geez, adoption might have been a better option.
2: <laughs> this, this could go very, this... we need to talk about Kevin later, later
4: <laughs> on. Yeah, exactly. I uh,
2: guess
3: my mind went to one of our very first discussions on our on our very first episode was the Kill Bill discussion where, like, oh, yeah. she learns that she's pregnant, and I think the implication is just that every woman has such a strong mothering instinct that no matter what her circumstances are in life she's gonna like drop everything drop everything to be a mother that was more jarring to me in that movie because we knew that she
2: had she had her the whole movie was about her other interests right Uh, (laughs) Right. with rosemary i mean i think it's like a flaw i don't even know if it's a flaw but it's we don't know anything about her other mm-hmm. than she is a sweet little lady from, like, Ohio. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, implied that she is naive. She doesn't have a large support network in New York. And she wants to have a baby. And that's sort of all we know. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, that really does make your skin crawl a little bit, doesn't it? When somebody yeah. says, everybody has such a strong mothering it Because they don't, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. have one God whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, like, you might if a baby popped out. But. It's something I, I sometimes I think people don't know whether they do or they don't. Yeah. But they said definitely a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's always been a thing that's been pinned on women that is like a falsehood.
3: Definitely. And
2: that's never asked of men. men really? Of no. Just like no one has ever. What talking about, that about like paternal? That, yeah, that yeah. strong paternal. paternal instinct. Have it.
3: Let's make that movie also <laughs> <laughs> with Sharon Stone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Is there anything else that anyone wants to talk about before we finish? So uh the villains of this movie are we I
2: mean we have male and female villains. Basically all the all the Satanists are and it's also worth saying culturally that this is like base level satanic panic which will only increase going into the 70s and 80s 80s and 90s even and a lot of that has to do with what happens to Roman Polanski's wife the next year because the Manson family is so steeped in that yeah it's just a whole fucking like this this movie weirdly Foreshadows, and also there were a lot of I, I forget what there was like a list of in the late sixties it was like the Omen came out there was a lot of like evil baby movies uh the Bad Seed came out in the fifties which mm-hmm. was a movie that used to scare the shit out of me so it's like taking place with that but Minnie for all of her satanic shortcomings <laughs> is a fun character she's sure really fun to watch every time she's on screen you're like oh fuck it's Ruth Gordon she's got charisma she's got look at that headscarf look at that blouse (laughs) like she's got blue eyeshadow on she's really going for it And I think that that just is, like, something that we come across a lot where Minnie's character has 9,000 times the personality that Rosemary does, which is, I don't know, it's almost like in High School Musical, if you listen to, <laughs> to our matriarch episode in High School Musical. It's like how Gabriella is the main character, but she's kind of boring. And then Sharpay, the female villain, has all this personality, and we're supposed to hate her. And it's like, but she's more fun to watch. Right right it's just another thing and then when you get to fucking louie louie laura <laughs> laura linney was what is this character's name laura louise laura louise she's in one scene and she is just she is she's I, in a bunch of scenes i want to spin off with her <laughs> i want to spin off with her she's just yelling she's also got a wild blouse i'm like minnie and laura louise Okay, a a sitcom with two older female Satanists Mm. who are best friends. I love that. (laughs) It's
3: (laughs) someone buy it. It's like Laverne and Shirley, but like Satan. They're Satanists. Well, that's another thing I wanted to say about this movie, uh, which is that a lot of movies and a lot of media about witches have a very specific way of depicting witches and it's usually that they are evil and bad and preying upon innocence but these days anyone who identifies as a witch is just you know charging their crystals and not doing harm to anybody um same thing with satanism the way satanism is depicted in this movie and many movies is like hey let's get together and help someone rape a woman and steal her baby and stuff like that and obviously anyone who's doing anything like that is horrible but modern satanism is nothing like that i don't know if if you or our listeners are familiar with like modern satanism but the members of the satanic temple Uh are cool they are very like progressive they're very like pro reproductive rights they're very pro science they're very pro like separation of church and state their agenda is 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 very progressive as far as i can tell i guess we should yeah we should make clear that when we are
2: goofing on satanism in this movie it's the version of satanism that Uh, is projected in this and throughout the satanic panic yes
3: yes yes yes
2: shout out to all our satanists (laughs) and i I mean and it's like it's so interesting because it's like it's always the not always but in some cases like the subcultures that just have a negative stigma attached to it because of media like this that end up being like very lovely progressive people i would also lump in juggalos to that juggalos are if you look at their platform We got to get some juggalos in office. They're so progressive. They're so they preach love. They march on Washington. They're out there doing the work.
3: They are gathering. They're also really good at hacky oh, they sack. Are gather- <laughs> 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 Shout out to all our juggalo listeners. Yeah. <laughs> the main thing here is that the way that like witchcraft and Satanism is portrayed in this movie and different other movies around this era is not reflective of like modern witchcraft and modern uh, Satanism and stuff like that. So worth noting.
4: Oh, we didn't get around to the artist art thing.
3: Oh yeah. We never concluded
2: that. That Maybe
4: just too long a discussion for right now
2: (laughs) there. I mean, this, this is one of the harder cases I've ever
4: Mm, encountered. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't get harder than this. Yeah.
2: Well, how does everyone
3: feel? I mean, I'm fine with not seeing this movie again, or really any movies that we know have been made by the auteurs who are criminals. There's so much other stuff out there that isn't made by sex criminals that uh, I am happy to watch instead. But it is tricky because this is a, a well-crafted movie. And I like, I hate to admit this, but I like another of Polanski's movies. It's called The Ninth Gate. It is not a good movie, but I still like it. But like, I'm like, I can't watch this anymore.
2: Yeah, it's weird. It's It feels like it's a, such an individual yeah, it is. decision. And it's like the sort of thing where I think when the Me Too movement was first happening, I was very, I think along with like a lot of people were very quick to just be like, nope, done, bye, see you, garbage, bad. And I still feel that way fundamentally, but it's like now that we're having these conversations more, it's like, okay, it's not as black and white as that, especially when it's like, you you, you know, you can't be upset with a friend of yours if you have a friend who loves Rosemary's baby and is not quite ready to part with it. Like that's... right. That's a thing, and that means that's like what when art. I, I, don't I mean, know. there's millions we'll... of
3: people out there who aren't gonna want to part with Michael Jackson's music, you know? Right. Like, that's another. So I still don't know. I think what my hope is is that we come to a point in just the entertainment that's available to us that so much good stuff has been made by talented people who are not predators and sex criminals, that we can just just enjoy that and kind of forget about the stuff that yeah. is made by the bad people,
4: but also... Right. Well, there is also a lot to, for example, to look at this movie now. It gives us, just on this discussion, it gives us an interesting perspective on not just, you know, the movie itself and how it's crafted and how women in it look different than they would have when it came out, mm-hmm. but also on the issue we're talking about, on, about, on Roman Polanski mm-hmm. and his behavior. And it makes you go, you know, I, I mean, it, it, it can be productive in a way if you can use it to better yeah. better yeah, yeah. understand your own feelings to about process, yeah. about the whole thing, about yeah. all kinds of things.
2: Yeah, I mean it's like I wish all sex predators works were so like absolutely unquestionably bad art. <laughs> yeah. that it would be a much easier discussion, but it is. I mean, it's like a lot of people are processing how they feel. Um I think I mean the only thing I think that we can all agree on is the fact that Roman Polanski got convicted of this crime and continued to work for 40 years is yeah. in I like that's, absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. horrible. That's horrible.
4: Uh, and meanwhile other people are like i think you know two people have said he did this or he did that and their lives are completely over which is yeah like you just don't get it mhm you, you just don't know, get it doesn't break. make sense that he is um, thriving in paris in a lovely <sighs> <sighs> fuck him there uh, it's it's definitely
2: like an individual journey listeners we encourage you to continue to explore your feelings about stuff like this talk to your friends about it it feels i don't know it's like uncomfortable To talk about, but it's, I don't even having talks like this is, feels helpful. Yeah, I think so. To process. I had one uh, more, I don't know, this movie, because this was the 50th anniversary of this movie last year, Mm. um, there was a lot of media around it and. There's a female horror director um, named Karen Kusama. My favorite movie she's directed is Jennifer's Body, Oh yeah, I love. Mm. But she's, she's, you know, one of the only prominent female horror directors. And so she was asked about this movie. And um, she, I'll just read what she said. Uh, she said, quote, One thing to add here is that Roman Polanski has made one of the greatest feminist parables of cinema. And yet we have to struggle with Polanski, the man, and the things he did, the crimes he committed. But that, to me, is the enduring possibility of art, that it can stand apart from its maker, and I believe we have to judge Rosemary's Baby on its own merit. I don't necessarily agree with that statement, but the fact that that comes from a very progressive female horror director I thought was interesting, interesting. and worth mentioning.
3: Yeah. Well, it's just about one fifteen, so we got to wrap up. Oh, I no. have to go.
4: <laughs> I have really? to go see Dr. Saperstein.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Before you Jessica, go, no. we can... Tanis, anyone? <laughs> Uh, Does this movie pass the Bechdel test? It does. Mm
4: -hmm. Um, Can I just say, all they did when there were more than one woman in the scene was talk about recipes and (laughs) getting a second opinion. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. There wasn't really any substance exchange. Not really, no. 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 No,
3: But that's pretty par for the course for all the conversations that we see. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I had gotta put it in my clothing softener, my uh, fabric right, softener. Right. Oh yeah, there was the
2: laundry scene too. <laughs> there was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Laundry, laundry, babies recipes. Yeah, yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. And in almost every scene, there was an additional conversation about what does your husband do. So yes, mm-hmm. or, your husband, hey, hey, your, your husband of... is
3: very hot.
2: Oh, that was one thing where like Rosemary repeated her husband's resume to like four or five different <laughs> characters. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. He's a this loser. Is... Well, how she's, to kill an apatross that's not what it's right, called she was but. like he's in this and this and yeah things aren't going great right now but they will be going good soon and I was like oh god that seems exhausting um, <laughs> to just, I'm like I don't walk around just being like my boyfriend's not sure about his life direction <laughs> like that so- sounds exhausting yeah <laughs> well there are plenty of exchanges between Uh, rosemary and minnie rosemary and terry laura louise the brassy queen of the devil (laughs) Um, it passes the the devil's
3: nanny the
2: the devil's aunt Uh, but she in most scenes with women it passes
3: at least once but the kind of exchanges are very domestic Mm. also question does the movie pass the bechdel test if mia farrow talks to herself (laughs) About being that like, I won't feel pain ever again. <laughs> pain be gone. Feminist text.
2: <laughs> Heard it here first.
3: Um, so let's rate the movie on our nipple scale. It's zero to five nipples based on its portrayal of women. Um I I just don't know. I think I'm gonna give it like just right down the middle, like a two point five, because there is like On one hand, this is like a movie whose journey we see is a woman who's dealing with all this abuse and who is trying to, you know, she has agency and she's trying to reclaim her agency even further. But I think this story would be a lot more powerful and authentic and probably maybe would have ended differently or or the story would have unfolded a little differently if it had been, you know, written and directed by women, especially A mother who knows what a pregnancy is like and not a man who is a known rapist. I think I might be wrong about this nipple rating, but I I... don't really know. I still just don't know how to really process this movie. I don't either. So I'm just going to do the 2.5, and which is still an F when you think about it. um, It's a failing ratio. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I wish there was just a slightly different version of this movie in which she's maybe more triumphant at the end, or we know more about her character. I don't feel empowered by this movie. I I see the read that it is, it could be a feminist text, but looking at it through the lens of You know, our culture in 2019, like, I'm, I don't really see that so much. I wish the way this story had played out was that she catches on to all this devil coven stuff sooner. She does her research. She figures everything out. She gets away. She has an abortion. (laughs) And then she just lives the rest of her life away from all the scary people so that would be lovely (laughs) so yeah 2.5 and i'll give two of my nipples to mia Farrow, whose husband at the time frank sinatra left her during the shoot of this movie because because he was like he's like you're still working uh well then that's not what i wanted and i'm gonna divorce you
2: well he wanted her to be in a movie with him and then she bailed on the movie and then the movies came out the same day (sighs) and rosemary's baby did like five times the amount of business so oh, that's boy. the triumphant narrative. that's a marriage killer oh, sure. yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so um two to me a pharaoh and i'll give my half nipple to the black cat that you see at the very end yes. for a split second in the coven um and cats also have eight nipples as cat facts with caitlin anyway <laughs> uh two and a half nipples the end
4: <laughs> jessica your your rating oh gosh <laughs> I, I'm, I'm i'm torn about my nipples Yeah. (laughs) sounds very uncomfortable. Because, I know, it does, doesn't it? Because, uh, again, I mean, when you said, like, the horror director considers this a feminist movie, in a way you have to look at Rosemary, you could look at Rosemary as getting exactly what she wants, ultimately, which is a baby. Yeah. And um, this is the devil's baby, but you're not going to take this baby away from me. I'm going to have this baby. It has red eyes
3: and and hooves, but it's still her baby. Yeah,
4: she got what she wanted, in a way. Yeah. It's just, I'm so uncomfortable about how she's treated. I mean, it's because, it, it you know, I, I'm from that generation. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents, you know, the greatest generation grew up, and, you know, were, I mean, we're married and had children in the 50s, and I watched the dynamics between them, and there were, you know, there was, the echoes of that just make me so uncomfortable. Yeah. On the other hand, I do think the movie's beautifully crafted. It's incredibly written. It's so well acted. It looks gorgeous. And she's terrific. You know, so there's that. So there's mm. great artistry. There's just so much to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. And I'm a little ambivalent about the feminist thing too. Like so, yeah. really? Yeah. I don't All know right. if that's really the what I would call a feminist outcome. Yeah. So I don't know. What is that what would that translate in terms of nipples? Two, like I mean, what do you think? Two and a half? Two, two, three? Two two and a half? Maybe I'm with you. Maybe it's two yeah. and a half. Right. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, I give a big nipple to that. <laughs> to the scene in the phone booth was just oh. so, so killer. It's such yes. a great, yeah. like Hitchcock kind of a thing.
3: <laughs> Jamie, what about you? Um, I'm going to
2: go with two and a half as well. Uh, it's a complicated choice. I, I don't think, it's weird. I don't think we come across stories like this very often where, I disagree with Karen Kusama. I don't think that this is like a feminist film. Right. But I do think it's an effectively told story about a woman. uh, Yeah. That made me feel a lot. Yeah, it's, it's an effectively told story about a woman where, for all of the failings of Rosemary's character writing-wise, where we don't know anything really about her family, we don't really know anything about if she has interest. Did she go to school? How did she and Guy meet? Like, there, there's so many things we don't know about her that we do know about Guy. But for the things we do know about her, she does seem pretty smart, mm-hmm. getting through like a mire of gaslighting from everyone around you and still being able to do research. She's constantly seeking out allies who can help her out. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, most of the world. And I think the scene that upset me most is the scene with Dr. Hill at the end. Yeah, yeah. like I, I think she, you see that she does everything she possibly can to gain agency over herself, her life and her body. The reason I don't think it's a feminist film is because she's not really successful yeah. in doing that. So, I don't know. The way this movie rolls out is just like it I'm still I feel like I'm still processing it. It's so I've never seen a movie be this cruel to its protagonist but also make it clear to you that the protagonist has done everything she could possibly do to try to save herself and it does not work. It's just like, I've, I've, it's usually if you see a movie that's cruel to its female protagonist, it's like the protagonist uh, is so severely underdeveloped that they seem stupid mm-hmm. and like completely unable to help themselves. But it's like Rosemary is intelligent. She's observant. She's doing everything she possibly can. Mm-hmm. And the movie does not, give her an inch it's just yeah. wild
3: which i mean i think i i think it just has a lot to do with the era yeah, and the cultural totally. context of when this movie came out and takes place and stuff
2: and uh for for all of its problematic history that goes along and all the baggage that comes with this movie it does feel worth mentioning that it is like movies like this that allow it's like i <laughs> famously said before we started recording, Rosemary's baby walked so the Babadook could run. And there's a lot of less troubling, more endings you were just talking about. Movies uh, made in the past couple of years alone with Babadook, and then you've also got Hereditary, um, Mm. that explore, to varying degrees of success, but like uh, explore a woman's psyche and have that be a part of where the horror comes from. So this movie, while very flawed, I think it was at least its influence it allowed other way. good stuff to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But it seems like, just like very surface level read, it seems like in spite of her trying to and like intelligently trying to save her own life at every turn, it ended up the way that they wanted. Yeah. And that is... I didn't feel uplifted or she does not come out the victor in this story. And, and it's like, that's a difficult thing to watch that I don't think we see a lot that is true to life in a lot of ways. Um, Not necessarily what I want to see reflected in media, but you know, like someone who does everything and the oppositional forces are too much and it just doesn't happen. Um, Mm -hmm. This movie fucked me up. I'll just go two and a half. Uh, Just because I, I I love my friends and I don't want to be <laughs> like them. Um, two and a half, I'll give. Uh, I'm going to give one to what's her name again? Louie Louie. What's Laura? Louie <laughs> <laughs> Louie. <Louis. Laura. laughs> <laughs>
3: I would give one to Laura Louise because I was like, what is going on with you over here? Which, by the way, Roman Castavet is like, oh, she and Minnie are too old to take care of babies. Right? It They're has like, to be he... you. Roman's
2: like, those those broads will fuck them up. <laughs> like, you're just like,
1: oh, I get it.
2: But, yeah, but like and no but guy is too just satanists in general shouldn't be raising children i think we can all <laughs> agree um yeah i'll give one to louie louie one to terry r.i.p mm. wish i knew you better and then i'll give a halfy to ruth gordon because my god yeah. what a fucking performance and she was turning a look in every fucking scene <laughs> and,
3: yeah Jessica, thank you so much for being here. This has been such a delight.
4: Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Of course, yes.
3: Um, Is there anything you would like to plug? Yes. Talk about your
4: podcast. I want to just once again plug my new podcast. Mm -hmm. It's called Winnetka, that's spelled W-I-N-N-E-T-K-A, and um, it's about my childhood growing up there, which of course took place during. Partly during the era that this movie covers and has all the um, all the ups and downs uh, represented in that movie, yeah. um, except for the devil part. Um, <laughs> anyway, you can find it wherever you find your podcast. Great, and uh, it's a memoir. Wonderful. And then go on Instagram to Jessica Harper Rama. Yes, or go to Weneka Podcast on Instagram or Twitter. I'm on Facebook too, Jessica Harper awesome amazing great yes follow
3: her in all the places and listen and to listen winnetka to thanks guys thank, thank you so, so much, much for coming thank you.
2: so you have to go see dr sanderstein la, right la, yeah. la, 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 la. <laughs> uh just a quick note uh jessica did have to leave a little bit before we were done recording the episode so if there are sections of the episode it was like are you just talking over a legend no I mean, she just simply was not here for those not here and we love her so much yeah she was amazing yes
3: yeah so if there are large chunks where jessica is not talking uh we recorded those after she had to leave and then edited them into the episode so with that
5: let's uh plug our little pluggables yeah
3: you can follow us online on twitter instagram facebook at bechtelcast um you can sign up for our patreon aka Matreon yeah it's or two bonus episodes only a month. five
2: bucks a month and then you get the backlog so you really get like 30 episodes
3: um
2: and then check out our tea public store get some merch at teapublic.com slash the bechdel cast mm. and as always we love you so much thanks
3: for listening yeah bye. bye